3: Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a it for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I won't let my body outplay if you feel it, put your hands in the air, show some love to the moon while you're there. Let's take it one day at a time, cause you and I, I outweigh.
2: All right, we're back. Week three with Crystal Lunenschloss. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for um, joining us for a little, we'll call it a residency. With me, yeah. And uh, Crystal is based here in Nashville. That's where I'm from. And I'm going to have her run through her credentials real quick because she's the expert. In case you missed the previous two weeks that she is on, I encourage you to go download those episodes as well. We talked about how body image is more about your brain than what you look like. We also broke down what even is normal eating. And today we're going to get into a listener email that I'll read in just a second. But Crystal, your quick bio. Yeah.
4: I am a certified eating disorder registered dietitian here in Nashville. I own a group practice called Horizon Nutrition Counseling, and we specialize in the treatment of eating disorders for men and women. Um, I think last week we also I also touched on that. We treat exercise disorders, substance recovery, and all, all things behavioral health.
2: Well, I appreciate you being here and helping me navigate this email that I'm about to share with you. Um, I'm not going to say the person's name just because it's about her friend, but she did write in from Utah. So I'll say that. And she said, Hey, Amy, I have a good friend who pretty clearly is battling an eating disorder. When we go out to eat somewhere, she often asks the server many questions about what's in the food and then orders something and doesn't really even eat any of it. She makes excuses saying that she's never hungry. But I, as her friend, am worried. She's underweight, and I've noticed some of the behaviors that you've talked about from your days with disordered eating. Do I gently say anything to her, perhaps that I'm concerned, or do I not say anything at all? I just hate seeing her this way and want her to know that I'm concerned, but in a loving manner. Do you have any idea on how to approach her about the situation? I'd love your thoughts. Wow. To kind of recognize those behaviors, it's a really
4: special, like, skill to have, you know, to recognize disordered eating, but also kind of recognize your experience with your friends. You know, like, this experience doesn't feel authentic to me, and being able to kind of bring that up with your friend is certainly a hard place to, to be. And it definitely depends on the relationship you have with a person. I don't know if you've ever heard of like a, a healthy confrontation, like the <laughs> the um, format for it by using I statements. And if it's something where you feel really concerned, especially if you're noticing kind of deterioration in her health, her mental status, or just her ability to be your friend, you know, you certainly can express concern for those observations if you feel comfortable with it by using the I statement like I'm you know I feel concern or I feel fear or I'm scared because I'm watching you break down real quick why it's important for
2: the I statements
4: I statements are helpful because it it kind of dismantles the like aggressive confrontation and like accusatory type like I you know like you're not you know doing that you know it comes off very aggressive and people will shut down and become defensive So when you're using I statements, it kind of helps dismantle that aggression and that, you know, like putting that wall up to become defensive. So
2: which I'm going to say two things based on this email and then the I statements. So I have had mom's email. This is a best friend or a friend situation, but there's loved ones, there's coworkers. We've gotten emails across everything. So you can use this information to apply it to anybody in your life, but also with the healthy confrontation and using eyes, it doesn't even have to be a, con- a conversation about an eating disorder. It can be mm-hmm. a conversation with a coworker, something with your your partner, or your spouse, a family member, you know, your sister. Like any time you can step back and it takes practice. Cause I think we're just so initially sometimes, well, you did this, you're, I'm noticing that you blah, 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 you, you, you. And then, yeah, if you step back. So it's something that definitely takes practice, but can be huge in, you know, mature, healthy dialogue. Yes. When you master that skill, it's almost like the person
4: receiving it. They're kind of like, they like, want to become defensive, but they can't because the way you said it really dismantled them and it, or disarmed them. And it's, it's kind of funny <laughs> to see it because then be, they really do become more open. So those I statements are really helpful and just kind of expressing how the behaviors in your observations make you feel. And you can kind of start there. And then, you know, if it really is, if she's pretty open about it, you know, you can certainly, you know, like, have you ever had gotten support for this? And, you know, do a little bit more digging. But some people don't know that they have an issue. So presenting a solution for a problem they don't know they have can make a person upset. So it's really just kind of navigating. The response after you kind of express your concern. And at the end of the day, if it's somebody who you really feel is very sick and they're your friend, sometimes just boundaries are really the last thing we can do for people who we love and who are struggling when they really start seeing how their behaviors are impacting their lives. Not just they, you know, they might have those blinders up and they only see that their behaviors are affecting their physical body, but when they start seeing that your friends are expressing concern because let's go out to eat at our favorite place. And all of a sudden they're not even enjoying it. And it creates an awkward situation. If that friend no longer is is like, hi, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to be able to go to dinner with you anymore. You know, like setting those boundaries for yourself because it's hard to watch someone you love go through things like that. So if they're not open to hearing um, what you have to say, then sometimes those boundaries can be a lot
2: louder (laughs) to them than just words and boundaries are so hard and even hearing you say like hey i'm i'm not going to be able to go to dinner with you anymore i've had to do some boundary work and oh man like sometimes i just could not get it out of my mouth because i was just like i don't want to be rude i just yeah. feel like that's so rude and i remember either reading or one of my multiple therapists said to me at the time like it's neither kind nor unkind it just is it's almost like a de- it's like you have to detach from it, yeah. and you're not being super kind, but you're not you're not being unkind. You're setting a boundary for yourself and you, and that relationship, and then ultimately that might be what opens the eyes of the other person to be like, oh, should I get help? And then most of the time, when people are impacted by a boundary that we've had to set, is because it's it's disrupted something in them exactly, so.
4: especially when they don't know that they have an issue or they think that they're hiding it really really well. So again, sometimes just boundaries because they may not be getting those boundaries from anyone else. You might be that first one and which can make a huge huge impact.
2: Right. It could be difficult, it could be hard, but we're, to answer her question? She said, "Do I gently say something to her or not say anything at all?" And so I think the takeaway here is that you absolutely I think should say something if you care about her, but it's all in the delivery. And how you go about doing it. And that might be something more than just, you know, listening to this podcast. Do you have an expert you could lean into in your life? Do you have a therapist you could go to that could help guide you? Depending on how severe a case is, is there an interventionist that you could possibly work with or a mediator or getting family involved? Now, some of my disordered behaviors, I wasn't to the point where I needed a treatment treatment facility. But who knows, Mm -hmm. I could have easily gone down that path. But I'm thankful for I I guess people in my life at the time, they sort of put up with my BS. And I'm a little it's it sucks because like I sort of made their life miserable, like we would go out to eat and I would they would be eating a great meal and I Mm -hmm. would drink juice, or they would come visit me in a town or we'd go take a trip somewhere in a town and there's really amazing food, but we would never go out to eat anywhere cool. Because I would just want to go to the juice shops and i kind of wish that some of my family and friends would have been like no this is stupid we're going out to eat or like if you don't want to come don't come but we're going
4: yeah
2: and then now you know that i'm in recovery they're saying things like oh yeah it's more fun to hang out with you because we can actually go out to eat at places and right. you know enjoy food together as a family and then I just think back to how difficult everything was when I was living in an eating disorder. So to this emailer from Utah, I love that you're even concerned enough to email in about your friend. Like you sound like you have compassion and you truly care because when we're in the throes of it, it's very exhausting (laughs) and we definitely need support for sure. Like something as little as being stuck at work and having to go to appointments for me like I am today, like I'm not going to get home till a certain time and I didn't have time to pack food because I had just traveled and I got back in. And, you know, before Crystal got here, I was grabbing my Chipotle that was getting door dashed to my office because I didn't have time. And something like that would have been super stressful for me. I would have either just not eaten Mm -hmm. or I would have thought, okay, no, I need to just find like a bar or something really simple and not order Chipotle, which happened to be what I got. And then if I did choose to have Chipotle, I would have obsessed over every little detail of what I was ordering and even entering and everything on the app would have been, okay, wait, should I get, oh, should I get the guacamole? I don't know if I should get the, should I get uh oh, sour cream? I don't know. I'm not supposed to have dairy because that's what society tells me. I'm not supposed to have dairy, but I love sour cream. <laughs> Lately, Kat and I have been talking about my love and obsession for sour cream, but- my process of, I had you coming and I was like, I got to hurry. I got to place this order. I'm like, oh, boom. Okay. White rice. Blah, 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 yep. Quok, yep. Sour cream. Up, it up. It's probably going to taste amazing and I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> but eating out and ordering food when you're in the thick of it, it's a lot. And I feel for anyone right now that is in that position. And I feel for, for friends and loved ones of people that are in that position because it's exhausting for all. And quite frankly, yeah, being living with me, it was not very much fun during my, like my husband. And then I would project, or if he was eating something and then I was jealous about it, I'd be like, I'd call out what he was eating. (laughs) What advice do you have for people that are like living with others that are, let's flip it. Like the email was about a friend being concerned about someone, but what about the person with the eating disorder that when you're living with other people, or maybe, maybe both sides, just like a quick little tidbit of like, My poor husband, like, I don't even know. I've had to ask for forgiveness now coming out on the other side of it, just being like, oh, I'm so sorry that I, you know, basically threw, Mm -hmm. let's say my eating disorder is a blanket. I threw it all (laughs) on him and smothered him in it. Yeah. This is probably a topic for a longer conversation. Crystal, you probably have to come back for it. But is there something that you can give to the spouses out there or the roommates that like we can like in their brain just to be like, okay. They don't mean this. This is their eating disorder talking. I don't have to listen to it. Yeah. Well,
4: there are a lot of support groups for loved ones of people struggling with an eating disorder just to give some like a place to kind of vent frustration. They can't quite do that to the person they're living with. So that could be a helpful place or just being connected with people that are kind of going through the same thing, but also being able to take care of yourself, whether it's, you know, like your own therapy, if you need that and just getting your own skills to be able to manage what is going on in their household, because it is stressful. It's fatiguing. It's mentally and physically exhausting to always just kind of be on eggshells as a lot of people kind of describe it. Cause they're not sure what's going to set off somebody or not. So kind of just doing what you need to do to take care of yourself, your mental health uh, at the same time, while you're watching someone you love and care about so much, go through their own battles. So those would be my, my main ones, you know, to, and then just to be able to support, you know, your loved one with, if they are on a meal plan or, or doing their therapy, you know, like being curious, you know, like teach me how to use your meal plan, how, how, You know, what are the skills? Your meal plan for recovery. Yeah. Meal plan for recovery. Sorry. (laughs) Yes. Yes. You know, like what skills have been really helpful for you and how can I support you in using them, you know, and just being really not allowing that, like, you know, if, if there's yelling, you know, like, you know, the anger, the hanger that kind of comes with the, those behaviors, but really just being like, I'm here for you. And at the same time, I got to have some boundaries too. My boundaries are X, Y, Z, you know, and just, and doing what you need to do to take care of
2: yourself. So I know there's like Al-Anon, which yes, Al-Anon. for family members um, with like for Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm-hmm. So is there something similar for eating disorders? I don't know if it has a name, but I mean, people can just Google support groups in <laughs> the yes. area. Yes. I mean,
4: Nashville has one. Our In Nashville, we have a nonprofit organization called Renewed, and they have a free family support group that meets once a month which is fantastic. And then certainly there's some um, paid groups too. So just kind of looking in your area what's available. But there are uh, they are out there for sure.
2: Awesome to know. There's so much support. And you can find more from Crystal at horizonnutritioncounseling.com. And Crystal, thank you so much for helping me answer this email. And shout out to this friend for even taking mm-hmm. the time Absolutely. to – I mean, takes a lot to just – even send a note into podcast or I, my main show is, or my main job is the Bobby bone show. And we're always surprised that like, it takes a lot to pick up the phone and even call a radio show and like ask a question or share something. And so thank you for trusting us um, with this question. And if y'all would like to send a note, anyone else listening, you can hit me up. Hello at outwaypodcast.com.